I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 138 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. Many, many ways to get in touch. Let me know what you love, what you hate, what you want to hear more of on the show. Guys, believe it or not, we are getting ready for week 10. Double digits. I can't believe it. The fantasy season is over half over. I'm kind of sad about that. As much as there's been chaos and as much as there's been crying, well, that's just been for me, I suppose, but it's been a crazy ride. It's already half over, but we're not over yet. We're going to keep pushing on here. We're going to get some ships. We're going to rebuild, get ready for next year. And to help us do that, I have an amazing first time guest, friend of mine, now friend of the show, Tom Strachan at NFL underscore TS track over on Twitter. He is a fantasy content creator for the football outsiders. He is a featured writer for fantasy pros and he is a dfs degenerate and he is the man who lost to me this week in scott fishbowl tom how the heck are you buddy well i was doing great that was a really nice intro right up until the end there that was uh you know being a ravens fan i got up this morning watched the game in full being over here in the uk so i'm not sitting up till 1am to watch stuff so got up watched the game in full and i was feeling pretty happy about things and just as the game was really winding down i was doing the mental arithmetic working out a few games that were coming down to that and how i'd do in them and i was like maybe i've just pipped evan there but no i think what was it you pipped me by about one and a half points two points to uh take the win there I don't even know if it was a full point, to be honest with you. Like, I think it was like, I think it was like half a point or like a point that, uh, you know, it was literally, it was very small. It was, it was the smallest of, smallest of margins, which makes the victory that much sweeter. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, no, it's great to have you on the show. Great guy. Really smart. Knows, knows a lot about DFS and best ball, and he's actually getting more and more into Dynasty, so I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show. Obviously, we'll have to start out with one of my favorite segments of the week. An honorable hatchet man does not lie. A hatchet man. Ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Anyone can carry a hatchet, even a liar. Hatchet man of the week. There are many. There are many. I actually thought about having Arthur Smith as my hatchet man of the week because I am sick, sore, and tired of him destroying Kyle Pitts and Drake London and my fantasy dreams. But I'm actually going to go with Keenan Allen. And it's just been so frustrating on multiple, multiple fronts with Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen. One of my favorite receivers in the league. Really, really enjoy him. I have him on a couple of contending rosters and I have not been able to use him at all and add insult to injury. I'm really invested in, in Herbert this year. I mean, I've got a lot of stocks in Herbert. I have him in dynasty. I've got him in Scott fishbowl and having Keenan Allen not on the field at all has really hurt 
Herbert and now Mike Williams being out. It's just not a good time. I mean, I've been reflecting on the fact that Keenan Allen has missed more time with his hamstring injuries than Brian Robinson Jr. missed time getting shot twice. That just feels wrong. Something feels wrong. I'm not happy about it. Keenan, this goes out to you, buddy. I know you're an avid listener of the show. I need you to get it together, man. I need you to get back on the field. I need you to pick up your uh, absolutely destroying people and helping Herbert get back to you know fantasy dominance because that's what I drafted him for. So what about you, Tom? Who's your hatchet man of the week? Yeah, I know. Just touch on Keenan Allen briefly. I think it's just it just feels really unfortunate because he's been so consistent over the last few years. Like, I think he's missed two games in the last five years before this season. So it's definitely been brutal, and the effect on the Chargers has been pretty poor to see. Really, I think you know Herbert's only had four top sixteen performances so far this year, which just doesn't feel right for a man of his talents. But my hatchet man of the week is Devonta Smith, and he's somebody who that I drafted a lot of in best ball this year. I think he was probably my fourth most drafted player, and he's just he seems a little bit more suited to that format than to redraft into dynasty and managed leagues where you're making a decision at a minute. It seems like every week where I plug him into my starting lineup, he has a dud week. And like over the last few weeks, he's finished 54th, 54th. Before that, it was 22nd and 12th. Before that, 69th. And the week before that, he was the wide receiver one overall. So there's some weeks where you can really count on him and you get those really fantastic high ceiling performances. And then there's other weeks where he's just giving you nothing. And it's just like I get to sort of Tuesday morning and I'm scraping through all the data and looking at what's there. And AJ Brown only has three more catches, but he has 70 targets to Smiths. But he's just being so much more efficient and they're just so much more high value. And it's just, it's it's a little bit painful at the minute. And I'll probably be right back here doing it again because this week we're playing Washington, who are a run funnel. They rank second in DVOA against the run. 25th against the pass so it's like on paper that looks like another great match for him but is it gonna be you just don't know yeah it yeah it's definitely he's definitely frustrating i mean i i had got quite a few shares in the offseason because when the aj brown you know deal went through i think everybody sort of left him for dead so it was pretty easy to get him like he's your wide receiver you know three or something like that in a startup um and I really do like him and I believe in the talent. Like you said, there is certainly those boom weeks, but it's really been frustrating because it, it, I guess he's one of those players you just, for now, you're going to have to have as, you know, if you can have him as a boom bust wide receiver three or a flex play, that's awesome because he will give you those massive weeks. But if you're trying to rely on him as like your wide receiver two or something like that, it's, it's brutal. It really is. So yeah, no. And, and to, to your point about Keenan Allen as well, another reason it's so frustrating is I hate these like stigmas that people get like injury prone or whatever. And for so long, Keenan Allen was like injury prone and I was getting great values on him every year, even in redrafting and getting him in the fourth, fifth round, even though he wasn't missing any time. And then like just, because he's missed all this time at the start of the year with his hamstrings. Um, it's just going to bring that whole trope back again about him being injury prone and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's just very, very annoying. Yeah. And I but, think just expanding yeah. that, I think this is a year where people really need to take the lessons from it because, you know, so many people drafted Jonathan Taylor of 101, even though I'm talking more redraft and best ball here, particularly. But people thought of Jonathan Taylor as that 101 in those schemes because they were like, well, Christian McCaffrey gets injured more often. And even though we know Christian McCaffrey's in, uh, ceiling is higher than Jonathan Taylor's because of his just elite work in the passing game, for some people it wasn't a question. But then you see Jonathan Taylor picks up these ankle knocks, isn't as efficient as last year. 
it's like, look, it's you can't predict injuries. There is no use trying to do it. And instead, just play for ceiling outcomes. That's the way to win championships, in my opinion. I think that's one of the things I really like about Dynasty is that Right now, we're all in the same boat. Redraft, Dynasty, you know, even DFS and everything. It's just a week-to-week game. We're just trying to make the most that we can. But then in Dynasty, it's great because in the offseason, you have so much time to just pull apart all the stuff that you learn from that season and you try and piece together strategies. You try and piece together, um, you know, what seems to be a trend, what seems to be working, what seems to be doesn't. So, you know, I really love that that element of Dynasty. And I know that you're really into that kind of stuff with your best ball and with your DFS and stuff. So it's really interesting to kind of get into the weeds about that kind of stuff. And I'm sure we'll do that in the off season there more so but i'm going to hit a couple of the bits of news and notes i don't think there's as many injuries thankfully fingers crossed this week as there has been but there still is a few to get through spilling the tea just going to rattle through the sort of news and notes here as usual and then i'll throw it over to you tom and see if you have any thoughts anything you want to pull out and talk about from a sort of dynasty perspective so bye week thankfully we got through the bipocalypse it's nowhere near as bad this week it is just three teams so the ravens the bengals and the jets are on bye this week um as far as like injuries or just important information maybe that we need to talk about josh allen seems to have picked up some sort of injury with his elbow uh in that loss to the jets he's considered day-to-day it's not there's nothing come out saying it's super serious yet but obviously something to monitor something that would suck very much if josh allen did get injured go down i'm sure he's on a lot of teams that are doing really well right now um panthers so panthers had a really rough week they benched pj walker apparently though they are going to be starting pj walker again this week against the falcons so i'm sure he's probably on a fairly short leash um but it is an interesting choice to go back to pj walker again frank reich so the big news obviously probably the biggest non-injury related news frank Reich did get sacked by the Indianapolis Colts after the absolute drubbing that they received at the weekend there from the Patriots. And I mean, that's kind of surprising, I guess. Not really. I sort of actually said a couple weeks ago in the pod, I wasn't sure if Frank Reich was going to make it the rest of the season. Things just the wheels seem to be falling off there in Indy. But as surprising as that was, even more surprising was the replacement. Jeff Saturday is going to be the interim head coach. I'm sure I'll get your thoughts here in a moment, Tom. He has never had any college or NFL experience as a coach. So that is certainly one choice. I don't know if it's a good one. It's an interesting one. We also have Romeo Dobbs has a high ankle sprain is likely out four to six weeks. So the hits keep on coming for the Packers. Um, it just, they just can't get any of their receiving core to stay healthy. Sammy Watkins has been his usual useless self. Uh, Christian Watson barely being, been able to get on the field. He was able to play a little bit this week, but it wasn't a dominant performance. Now Romeo Dobbs is out. So that's not good. Aaron Jones had tests on his ankle, but apparently they did come back negative. He should be okay to play this week. Rashad Bateman, I know this is a very sad news for Tom. Tom is a massive Ravens fan. Rashad Bateman is out for the season with a foot injury. He has he has to get uh, season-ending foot surgery. I believe it's a Liz Frank issue. Um, Evan Ingram suffered a back injury, but he should be okay for week 10. And then lastly, again, Ravens news. Gus Edwards is expected back, hopefully, in week 11, so after the bye week. So just going to throw it over to Tom here. Tom, what are your thoughts? Anything you want to really point out or talk about real quick here just from the news, just from a dynasty perspective? Yeah, I think the one that stands out to me is the Panthers because there's just such a big mess there. And I think it seems pretty obvious that the quarterback situation is going to be not even very week to week. It's going to be very quarter to quarter. I'd be very surprised if Sam Darnold doesn't end up playing at some point. Like PJ Walker, I was a Houston Roughnecks fan of the XFL 
Chappelle and PJ Walker absolutely was fantastic there. But you look at his completions by week and he went from 62% to 72%, to 52%, down 30% against the Bengals. He does rank higher in completions over expected on the season compared to Baker Mayfield. So I'm not really too sure how much better Baker Mayfield's going to be. We've seen he had an okay game on Sunday when he came in, but he was playing against Bengals backups, really. And I just kind of expect that we're going to end up seeing Sam Darnold at some point, and it's tricky to really know how good that's going to be. Uh, in terms of the other stuff, Indy, yeah, it just seemed like, you know, Jim Ursay is an emotional owner. Some of these team owners are just far more emotional than others. And we've seen that from Ursay last year when he was drunk, stood by his plane, sort of ranting about Carson Wentz. And the team ranked 31st in passing offense, DV, DVOA over the last four weeks, 26 in the run. Jim Mercy just doesn't seem like the kind of owner who's going to put up with that. It's like, you know, that kind of big highlight football. And I'm not surprised that Frank Reich's gone. It just seems like a complete mess that they're setting up now. Uh, and then the last one, just on Green Bay with uh, Romeo Dubs out. And, you know, as you mentioned, Christian Watson struggling to get on the field. I know Samari Torre has been the kind of the hot name over the last couple of weeks. He said the wide receiver 36 over those two weeks he's at eight targets so if you're in really really deep leagues he might be worth a look he's you know it's like on dynasty waivers he gets to this stage in the season and there's barely anyone out there he might be somebody worth stashing yeah no absolutely I actually highlighted him on the recap episode this week because of that very reason i said you know Aaron Rodgers did have a couple nice things to say about him. He did actually have some nice tape in college. And I mean, his needs must. They've got nobody. You know, they're going to have to throw to somebody. And a, a really underrated part of Dynasty, I mentioned that on the recap episode this week, is being able to still play the waiver wire. Even though there's very few players on the waiver wire, in some ways that actually makes the waiver wire more valuable in a weird way because you can get this player. There's so few players, all eyes are on that one player and you can maybe then flip them for, you know, even just third or, you know, add your third and that player together to get a second, you know, little tiny wins like that all add up in dynasty. So I absolutely agree with your take on that. Going to jump in into our starts and sits, some of the kind of insight into like the roster management for the week before we got on some, get into some more trades. Cause going to pick Tom's brain here on some trades that we have done. Employee of the week. Employee of the week. We have Busmart. I'm going to start with the bad news first. Get that out of the way. Then we'll talk about some nice happy things. So Busmart, player you're excited about, player you're expecting to lock into that lineup, hoping for big things. But sadly, it could be a disappointing week. I had Jonathan Taylor as my Busmart pick last week, and it was disappointing. He didn't even play. That is disappointing. Nailed it. So we're going to move on here. Guess first. Who's your Busmart pick of the week, Tom? It's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, which is, uh, you know, as we'll come to later, is somebody who I've actually traded for today. And he's been a monster since he came back. You know, he had 32 targets in three games, which is fourth most amongst wide receivers in that period. And he's wide receiver two in PPR since he came back. And you see those kind of ridiculous target shares as Kyler peppered him. Unfortunately, that tailed off a bit on Sunday in the second half. I think he only had like a few targets. In Hawkins' last three games against the Rams, he's had 13 targets for five receptions and 54 yards, seven targets for four receptions and 67 yards, 10 targets for four receptions and 35 yards. It's very quirky. A lot of the teams have each other's number. They really do a number on each other regularly. And 
DeAndre Hopkins picking up sort of like nine, ten points in PPR, it's it's not really going to do it. I mean, you can't bench him, but at the same time, he's somebody that I won't be playing heavily in DFS this weekend. If you feel like you really need a performance, he's just somebody I'm a little bit wary of this weekend. Yeah, and I think that I think you're right in saying. I'm glad you pointed that out because ball smart for me, it's always been a uh, segment that. In Dynasty, you know, we talk about it. I'm not saying redraft would be different. You might say, look, Boss Smart, you need to bench this player because you probably have lots of other options, or you can maybe even grab someone off the waiver wire. Dynasty, you don't really have that luxury, especially if it's a stud player. The sometimes the players that we're highlighting, so same with mine. Um, my, my Boss Smart player this week is Mike Evans. And I'm not saying you can't play Mike Evans or that you even shouldn't play Mike Evans because he's Mike Evans. He's a great player. He always has that chance of like a blow up game, you know, three touchdown game or something. But, you know, we're saying, look, not a ma- favorable matchup or maybe they're dealing with injury or something like that. For me, it's more about the matchup. So you've kind of touched on it nicely there. You talked about DeAndre Hopkins struggles. I think a lot of it has to do with the Seahawks defense. Um, they're all, the, the Bucks are playing the Seahawks this weekend in Germany. So they've obviously got a lot of travel, a lot of um, new and different things going on. The Rams give up the second most fantasy points to the outside wide receiver. And Mike Evans only averaged, only got nine PPR points last week. The Bucks offense in general is just sort of struggling. It's not really clicking on high gear the seahawks give up the least fantasy points to the outside wide receiver and to your point you know d hop had 13 fantasy points last week but that's with a touchdown so you know that would have been a very disappointing game for d hop if he hadn't managed to get in the end zone and even with the end zone even with getting in the end zone it wasn't a smash week it was just like oh thank goodness he kind of saved saved you from being a, a bummer of a week and it's only a 44 and a half point over under for the seahawks bucks game so Honestly, against the Seahawks, a lot more of the damage can be done through the slot. We saw that with Rondale Moore last week with um, the Cardinals, and I imagine it could be a really nice game for Chris Godwin this week. Could be a really nice game potentially for Rashad White or Leonard Fournette, whoever's getting some dump-offs there, maybe even Kate Auten. But I'm just sort of managing my expectations for Mike Evans. Um, so let's talk about some good things. We've talked about negative. We're talking about our boss, Mark, but we're going to talk about studs are us. So a player that you're hemming and hawing about, you're not sure. Do I plug them in? Do I leave them on the bench? Last week, I highlighted Rondale Moore, talked about some of my reasonings, uh, similar going against the Seahawks, playing from the slot, things like that. He ended up with eight receptions on 10 targets for 69 yards. Noise, uh, 14.9 PPR points. So 15 15 points basically without a touchdown. So really nice week from him. Tom, who do you got for us? Who's like somebody that you're sort of like, do I plug him in? Do I not? But you think it's a good week to maybe take a chance on this player? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's probably not a name that a lot of people are desperate to put into the fantasy lineups. But he's been the wide receiver 34 in the last three weeks, which is a wide receiver three. So if you're playing in a lot of leagues that we kind of play in where you start multiple flex positions, you know, if you're getting hit by the Ravens and the Bengals and Jets on bye weeks, then this is the kind of name who I think there's value in. He's averaged 6.2 targets per game over the last five weeks. He doesn't really come off the field. He's been like constantly on there, averaging like 86% of snaps for the season. And behind Mari Cooper, it's been him. I know David Njoku's apparently going to play this weekend. But Peoples-Jones had five double-digit PPR games this season. He's done all that without touchdowns. You know, I'd expect at some point that's got to regress. And Miami are ranked bottom six in past defense DVOA. We've seen them get into shootouts. So I'm kind of hopeful that he could have a decent week. Love it. I I think that's really solid because he's one of those players. He's just like a really sneaky value. No, you just don't think of him. Like even, you know, if you'd asked me like, 
how good is Donovan Peoples Jones, you know, been this year? I'd have been like, Ugh, you know, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like, but then saying that, like same with Amari Cooper, you know, Amari Cooper has been a borderline wide receiver one this year. It does not feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem like, oh, Amari Cooper has been killing it. But yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And it's funny because I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it, but my pick for studs are us this week is Jeff Wilson jr. So same sort of matchup um, going against each other. I guess we're hoping for a shootout here, Jeff Wilson jr. So he came, he comes in RB 29 on the week so far for fantasy pros kind of expert consensus rank. So definitely a flex potential, but not somebody people are shoving in their lineups. But the thing is for me, what I'm looking at is he literally was off the street, hadn't even unpacked his bags yet. And he outsnapped Mostert last week. So he was 49 to 47%. So it was pretty close to a 50, 50, but that's really impressive for a guy who literally has just got into town that week. Um, and he also was getting involved in the passing game, but the Browns are 30th in rush DVOA. So they do give up plays on the ground. We know Miami has a brutally efficient run game that they can use because nobody can afford to stack the box because you're having to deal with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, which is an absolute it's a fantasy bonanza. It's a it's a real life NFL nightmare for defenses. Um, but yeah, I mean they're giving up the ninth most fantasy points to the running back position. So I I feel like Jeff Wilson, I mean it's a bit of a risky pick, but I feel like you know if you're like me, you're certainly struggling at the running back position this time of year. You're looking for guys to just plug and play. I think you could certainly take a chance on Jeff Wilson this week in a hopefully high-scoring game. Now, we are just going to hit on the let's ride or let's hide matchups of the week. I think this is an important segment because... You know, we're talking about specific players, and I think that's really good. I think it highlights sort of our thought process, what we look at, things we're looking at for players, and, you know, it helps you get inside the way we process matchups and we'll look at starts and sits. But it's nice to just know here's a here's a matchup in general, because let's face it, not everybody that's listening is going to have Donovan Peoples-Jones. Not everyone listening is going to have Jeff Wilson Jr. So we're going to highlight a couple of matchups each that we either want to, you know, let's hide from, uh, we don't want anything to do with if at all possible, or we want to, in the words of Russell Wilson, let's ride. And we want to, you know, not, not the way Russell Wilson has been doing it because it's been pretty, pretty terrible, but we're going to hopefully let's ride and see some really great fantasy performances. So for um, Tom, Tom, you're the guest. I want you to go first here. What's your sort of let's hide or let's ride matchup. What do you got for us? Yeah. So I've gone with the Cowboys Packers, which just feels like a game that it's just going to get a little bit grim. Green Bay have the fifth lowest situation neutral pass play rate in the NFL, which means that unless they're really being forced to, they're choosing not to pass. They're not very quick at getting to the line of scrimmage to run the clock down. Their last four games have had totals of 24 points, 44, 44, and 37. So we're not really hitting that kind of upper 40s, early 50s where the real shootouts occur and you really start to see a lot of fantasy goodness. Teams are averaging just 162 passing yards against them in those last four games. And part of that comes down to because they are a good pass defense, or at least a better pass defense than they are a rushing defense. On the ground, they're giving up 153 rushing yards per game, which they're just teams are running on them because they don't have to pass a lot. So, but you can also expand that and see that they are also, they're only allowing the 15th most points to running backs. Because the games are slow, they just teams just run on them, but they don't need to rack up points, and the Packers just struggle to keep up with them. So this game just feels like one which, I don't know, if you've got Zeke, if you've got Tony Pollard, you might be able to start them, they might be able to get there, but it feels like it's got like 
eight points for CD Lamb written all over it. It just feels like one where Dak might sneak in a couple of touchdowns or something, and you just it might be a good game to watch in real NFL terms, but it doesn't feel like one I want to heavily target for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think you're right. I think I, I would even go further. It probably isn't going to be a very fun game to watch for NFL teams because honestly, I mean, we've joked about it and and don't get me wrong, as a Vikings fan, I love joking about how miserable the Packers are all day. But in all seriousness, I mean, it could be a really ugly game. It could get really ugly really fast. So like you said, it could be one of those games that ends up you know, 20 to 14 or something like that. But I agree. I like it. I like your call. I'm with you on that. I, my let's hide is actually the Colts Raiders. <laughs> so we've kind of talked about a couple of the reasons why already. I mean, it is only a 42 and a half over under as it stands at the moment. So pretty bad, you know, anything low forties or high thirties is pretty gross. Frank Reich has been sacked. Even if he hadn't been sacked, the Colts are just a mess. They've been all over the place. JT is beat up. Um, you know, Deion Jackson, who he saw really great things from earlier in the season when JT was beat up, he wasn't playing particularly well against the Patriots. And then he's got beat up as well. Sam Ellinger is in at quarterback. Um, we've talked about Jeff Saturday has literally no NFL or college coaching experience is now taking over the team. Uh, it is um, And the Raiders, on the other hand, they're, they're an absolute mess you know we i jokingly said i think on twitter it was like you know they went all in they got a new coach they got a new gm they've traded for one of the best wide receivers in the you know in football they've traded for all these players they've gone all in and they currently have like a top three pick in the nfl draft if it were to happen next week so honestly it's just a mess because i like to think that the raiders will just steamroll the colts but the way they've been playing it wouldn't surprise me if it's like an overtime draw or something like that they'll just find a way to screw it up i mean for me the only players I really want to play in this matchup would be Devonta Adams. He just had 17 targets. I'm certainly not sitting him and Josh Jacobs because it wouldn't surprise me if they do end up just being able to pound the rock and just run the ball on, on Indy and not really have to pass too much. Uh, I'm willing to start you know, Michael Pittman Jr. If it's necessity, I'm not excited about it, but he is clearly the wide receiver one there. He is, I believe I highlighted um, in my recap episode, he's run the most routes in the NFL of any wide receiver, you know, minimum of like, 50 snaps or something like that. So he's certainly their wide receiver one. You never know. It's the NFL. He could break a long play and you could be really happy. I don't think I would want to sit him, but I'm not excited to start him. And again, Derek Carr, if you're in a super flex league, I, I, I'd be willing to start him as my QB two, depending on your options and things like that. But it's just a gross game. I'm not excited about it at all. Um, but as far as being excited, what, who's your let's ride? Let's, let's talk some good things. Let's get excited about the weekend here. Who do you got for us, Tom? Yeah, so my game, and again, it's one which we've kind of touched on a little bit. It's the Dolphins versus the Browns. I think, you know, there's a lot of players who I really like here, and one of them in particular is Nick Chubb. Miami ranks seventh in DVOA against the Rush, but they haven't really met anyone like Nick Chubb yet. Like, probably the nearest you could compare him to was Dalvin Cook, who went had 13 rushes for 77 yards and a touchdown when they met a few weeks ago. So I don't really think... some of, Sometimes these statistics can be misleading because players haven't always really met opponents like they're going to face. You know, Nick Chubb leads the league in big runs. He's third in the league in evading tackles per game. And he's second in rushing yards per game with over 100 per game. So then on the Miami side, you've got Tyreek Hill with his 100 targets, 13 deep targets, which is, uh, I think, no other receiver has more than about nine. So I really want to see 
how he's playing against this Cleveland pass defense, which hasn't been particularly great this year. You know, they've spent plenty of draft picks, plenty of resources on it. And frankly, it's disappointing. Yeah, no, I love that game. I'm excited about it. The Lions against the Bears. So this is just like, I'm excited about this game because this is two teams that just like have nothing to lose. They're just out there playing ball, having a great old time, and it should be a lot of fun. It's a 48 and a half over under, so it's nearing that 50-point mark. The Lions defense is terrible. The Bears run defense is terrible. Top five most favorable for yards, touchdowns, rush attempts. I mean, it is it hopefully I'm really fingers crossed. I'd love to see Swift get you know, healthy, get back out there and just tear up the Bears defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to start Justin Fields. Absolutely. I mean, he went mental last weekend. He's absolute Konami code. You want to start him every week. Darnell Mooney is showing signs of life. I'm excited, you know, throw him back out there. ARSB, you're going to start Williams or Swift or both, depending on, you know, health and things like that, I think are exciting starts. I'm even pretty excited about st- starting Khalil Herbert, depending, you know, because like I said, how bad the Lions defense is in general. I mean, I know they did a good job on the Packers, but in general, they've been a pretty bad defense and Khalil Herbert has been pretty good most of the time. And again, if you're desperate and, you know, if you're needing starts, I'm even willing to potentially start Komet. He showed some signs of life last weekend. Um, Claypool, again, only just off the street, still banished six targets. Um, and golf in a super flex league. I mean, he's been okay. Like he's, he's, he's had his, you know, bad games like you would expect, but he's had some pretty good games. And this, like I said, could, you know, potentially turn into some sort of a weird gross shootout. So I, I didn't want to take any low hanging fruit. I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper here and find some, some goodness for you guys. So I'm excited. Excited about this game. Hopefully, it doesn't let me down. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Sold your ways. Gonna talk some trades. Always like to try try to make some time to talk trades. I think trading is one of the most important parts of fantasy football in general, but especially with dynasty. So, Tom, as the guest, do you have a trade that you've done recently you wanted to chat about and just kind of like break down for us? Yeah. So this morning I was uh, getting busy busy in the trade markets and uh, in the Fantasy Wildcards Listener League, which is a 14-team league, which I took down last year. So I'm definitely gearing up for another repeat on it. And I traded a 24 first-round pick and Brandon Ayuk, who I do really like for DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans. Nice. And so so 14-team, is it Superflex? Yeah, sorry, so it's super flex, uh, a few bonus kind of scorings based on big plays, first downs, little bits like that, full PPR uh, and multiple flex positions. I think we have yeah. one tight end and then at least two flex spots in there as well as the super flex. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that we're so quick to write off these older receivers, you know what I mean? And I get it. Like I... I love young stud receivers like Jalen Waddle and all that. Who doesn't? But like you said, we've seen DeAndre Hopkins absolutely dominate since he's been back. You know, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. He's not a speed demon. He's not one of those guys like a Tyreek Hill who, if he doesn't have speed, he's got nothing. He's a great route runner, great hands. He doesn't seem like he's taken a step back. He certainly seems like a guy you're going to get a lot of use out of this year as you make that push. And I can't imagine he wouldn't be great again next year. I mean, I don't see him not being good again next year. So yeah, it totally makes sense to me from a perspective like obviously if you're middle of the road and you're just sort of like throwing assets at these aging veterans i don't know if that's such a good idea but when you're in that situation where you won it last year you're going back in and you're trying to win again this year 
And especially the fact that they're wide receivers. I like that. I imagine, you know, certainly with D hop and probably with Evans as well, I get a little bit nervous because I wonder what's going to happen with the bucks. I do wonder if Brady actually rides off into the sunset this year. Um, He just hasn't looked great and just everything's been a bit mad, but yeah, no, I mean, I dig it. I get that, you know, you want to win ships. And I think that's really important part. And so I'm glad you brought this trade up because one of the things I've been really frustrated about lately with dynasty is, and I said something about that on Twitter today, I think it made a little tongue in cheek remark about, you know, cause somebody was like, oh, this, the 2024 class is going to be even better than the 2023 class. And I was like, yeah, but wait till you see this 2025 class, you know? And it's like, I think that in dynasty, we always get so caught up in the future and it's always next year. And it's always two years out. And it's always, oh, I got so many picks in 2025. And it's like, you know what, at the end of the day though, we need, you know, we play to win. You need to you need to, there's times where you just have to go all in and really try and win. And I think that's the most important thing. So my trade isn't a big one because I've talked about a couple of really big trades last couple of weeks. I just want, it's a smaller trade, but I think it's an important trade. And I wanted to talk about it because I think people need to realize that you don't have to always just do these big blockbuster trades involving multiple firsts or these absolute stud cornerstone pieces. This is a 10 team, one QB PPR league. Um, it's one of my only 10 team leagues. I've only got like two 10 team leagues. Most of them are 12 or 14 or even some 16 team leagues i have a really strong squad in this league but at tight end i have travis kelsey who's obviously awesome and i'm just going to be rolling travis kelsey out every week but we know he's getting a bit older i don't really have anything in the tank like i don't have any i didn't have any backups behind him to kind of nobody i'm grooming to replace him so i went out and traded for pat fryermuth the guy that i traded off him was like sort of middle of the pack and i was able to get him for a 23 second and a 23 fourth so a second and a fourth um you know to get pat fryermuth who i really like i feel like he's a really sneaky buy low target because it's not been an exciting offense this year he's um you know just somebody that gets overlooked but you know he last year he was a top 12 graded tight end as a rookie by via pff he he has really solid underlying metrics if you look at the receiving grades and things he's like top eight or top seven in a lot of the receiving grades and route running grades and things like that i think he's just like a really solid tight end in what can be a really gross tight end landscape i mean if you look at even this year in the absolute just disgustingness that's been the Steelers offense he's had one two three four games in double digit points with only scoring a touchdown once um four out of his six seven games really because he was he didn't play in week six so four out of his seven games double digit points with only one touchdown I think you could do a lot worse I think he's a really solid buy low target but what are your thoughts Tom do you like that do you like think that was an overpay are you happy enough getting Pat Fryermuth? are you a Fryermuth guy yeah, just going back quickly to what you touched on, I don't care less about 24 picks at the minute. It's like, you know, I'm not somebody who I don't watch a lot of college because during the season I'm spending so much time worrying about what's currently happening in the NFL. I don't have brain capacity to cope with college as well. So I couldn't care less about 24 picks. I'll trade them all away and, you know, I'll do the roster churn and I'll go out and I'll get those picks back or I'll make, you know, make trades. It's by the time that rookie drafts come around, people will be looking to make trades. So it'll be good values anyway. So I'm fine with that. Um, In terms of your trade, I I, I really like that. I think, like you say, it's, it's a really good trade with one eye on the future. And it's something that I've been trying to do a little bit in leagues where I've got Travis Kelsey because Last year, he looked like in some of his efficiency stats that he was perhaps coming back down to earth a little bit. And then this year, he's just taken right back off and seems to be, you know, still that amazing tight end one that we know he is. Um, but in terms of Frymouth stats, like they've not really been particularly different between, you know, since since he's been playing with Kenny Pickett, 
like he's been seeing sort of six targets a game, which really, you know, sorry, six receptions a game, seven and a half targets per game, 60 yards almost per game. And in a position which is very much can be touchdown or bust, that's a good enough floor that if this offense can actually be competent again and isn't just wrecked by poor play calling and poor offensive line play, then he could definitely be somebody whose value is going to spike over the next year or two. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at with him. I think he's a really solid buy low opportunity because nobody's thinking about him. He's not a sexy name. And the crazy thing is, though, is because of the tight end landscape, we talk about it all the time is disgusting. But yet you do get a guy like him who's giving you solid production and nobody wants or nobody's excited about him, you know? So to be able to get him for like a second and a fourth is like, you know, and it wasn't even, I mean, it was, I believe it was my second and I'm, like I said, I've been in the championship game three years in a row in this league. So, I mean, it's probably the two Oh nine two ten. you know what I mean? To get him for a two and a four is kind of pretty cheap in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. We're going to hit on a question here because Tom has been very generous with his time. Don't want to keep him all night. First question, everyone. Question. 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 I have a lot of questions. It's a ridiculous question. How dare you? This is so important. I should run to answer it. We had a question come in off of Twitter. This is a good friend of the show. Dynasty Island on Twitter. Rich, the man, the myth, the legend, been on the show a couple of times himself. He actually was kind enough to drop in, drop the question, said, which rookie that hasn't produced yet is most likely to go on an ARSB type run? And also part two, probably this is like, I'm guessing this is like a selfish question because I believe he traded for J.K. Dobbins in our league. And he's asking Tom, what is the latest on Dobbins? Will he play this year? And I can just sense the desperation in this question. So I'm going to throw to you, Tom. What's your take on if you had to put a bet on a player that hasn't popped off yet, a rookie, who do you think is going to go on some sort of run here at the end of the season and make us all hot and bothered? And then will Dobbins play this year? So the rookie for me is Rashad White. I think he's somebody that could be incredibly exciting. If We've seen that the team is starting to trust him more, they're starting to play him more. You know, in the last three games, his touches have kind of gone from single digits per game touches up to double figures now. I think he had 11 touches this weekend, just gone. And he's been particularly efficient at times. Like he's picked up 10 receiving first downs on just 20 receptions. Leonard Fournette has 42 receptions and only 15 first downs. Fournette isn't running particularly well. I mean, you know, the books aren't doing a whole lot of anything particularly well. But Fournette's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. He only picks the first down on one of every five rushing attempts, which just isn't really getting it done. If you're not able to move the chains through the running game, eventually the team are going to give the young promising rookie who they spent decent draft capital on more opportunities. And you could hear that in the Bucks game from Sunday, the broadcast team, I think it was Romo, was talking about how the team really want to give Rashad White more opportunities going forward. I think it's something where, you know, it might not all be at once, but if he can see the swing to the point where he's playing 50% and he's starting to score touchdowns in a team that's scoring like barely any touchdowns compared to last year, then he can really establish himself. And come the fantasy playoffs, White would have games against Arizona and the Cardinals, who both rank bottom half in run defense DVOA. So uh, he's somebody that I'm definitely high on, and I'm hoping that he's gonna it's gonna come to fruition. Uh, in terms of the second question with J.K. Dobbins, I don't think the team are gonna rush to get him back, but this definitely isn't an overly serious surgery. I mean, you know, a lot of players have knee scopes or 
these kind of like they're not as intrusive surgeries as when you've got to go in and repair a ligament or something like that. So I would expect J.K. Dobbins probably makes it back on the field sometime around week 13 or so. So maybe in time for those fantasy playoffs. Um, I think he's somebody that the team's going to want fresh for the real playoffs when uh, Baltimore are in them. But it's, it's yeah, it just makes me sad of what could have been this season. Yeah, it's starting to be one of those... Um... A recurring theme with Dobbin, sadly, which is is unfortunate because I've been a big fan of his work. It'd be great to see him fully healthy and just being able to kind of tear up the league there in Baltimore. But I think for me, I like your answer there, Rashad White. I actually highlighted him yesterday in the recap episode and just said that he seems like a really solid, if you can move around now, he could be a really good uh, piece, you know, to if you're rebuilding to try and acquire now because he could be one of those guys like Ramon De Stevenson that really just takes off next year, you know, really kind of takes into his goes into his own and is a has a really positive ROI for you. So I like that call. For me, it's probably still Jameson Williams. I still feel like he's such a talented guy and he is so out of sight, out of mind. People have just really started to give up on him. I've seen him go up on the block in a couple of leagues that I'm in. Um, people just getting frustrated, getting tired of it. But I like the fact that they've not rushed him back and they're taking their time with them they're playing the long game here but at the same time i think that you know the lions seem like a kind of team they want something to be excited about they want to be excited for the future i feel like he could come back here you know sort of the last few weeks of the season they want to see a little bit of what they've got if he's doing well with his rehab i wouldn't surprise me to see him just have a couple of absolute blow-up games here at the end of the year i am gonna throw out here last segment before we go because i'm not sure if i'll be able to trick tom so that he he told me that he understands words like crack and he understands all of of our like you know banter and all of our little like slang terms so i'm gonna try and see if i can fool him here i don't know if i'll be able to but we'll see what we can do word of the week so word of the week we are gonna throw a word of northern irish slang out here and see how well tom is acclimated to our 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 words our our way of speak over here so what what do you think the phrase keeper let what does keeper let mean um so is that like i'm gonna keep all of it so try and use it in a sentence like how would you use keeper let no man get away from my sweets keep all keep all it uh uh like, <laughs> no, I, I'm going I, I got you. It. I got you there. I got you there. So no, keep keeper lit is basically like it's just like saying like keep on keeping on. It's like hey, keeper lit. It's a way to encourage people keep up the energy levels. Like hey, keeper lit, son. You know, you just got to keep on keeping on. Um, but yeah, no, thanks very much to Tom for taking time out of his busy day to jump on and chat to us and give us a little bit of insight and how he's planning to take on week ten. Thank you for not crying on the mic too much about me absolutely just beating and embarrassing you in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, but guys, if you don't already follow Tom, go over and check out his work at NFL underscore TS track. Um, Tom Strachan on the Twitter bot. He does a lot of great DFS work. He does a lot of DFS um, best ball stuff. He does f- football outsiders. He's all over the place. He's constantly writing threads and writing articles and just showing up here, there and everywhere with little nuggets of information. So is there anything else you wanted to specifically call out or, or, or plug or anything, Tom, before we go? I mean, you covered it pretty well. On Tuesdays, but I do a weekly column, which is kind of like a fantasy roundup from the previous week for Football Outsiders. Lots of advanced stats in there, as long as as well as storylines and bits. Thursday's DFS column comes out. Friday, weekly betting and DFS podcast and uh, show over on Football Outsiders. Um, 
some stuff for Fantasy Pros. But yeah, just pretty much on Twitter, if you can dig through the deluge of tweets that I'm normally firing out about anything I'm angry about, then you'll find everything else on there. <laughs> well, you have been a great guest. Thanks for making time to hop on. Guys, be a friend, tell a friend, make sure and share the love for the Dynasty Debates. Drop a rating review, get those subscriptions in there, and we will catch up with you next week. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate